Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to begin the show today with a description of what I find to be the most annoying topic in all of sports. And I'm going somewhere with this. There's a reason I'm going to connect this to Georgia football in a moment. But here's the annoying topic that, frankly, at at first blush, has nothing to do with college football or Georgia or anything else. You guys are baseball fans. You watch baseball at all. And you know what I like baseball? There's this controversy that erupts when someone hits a home run and flips the bat or when a pitcher strikes a guy out and he kind of stares him down on the way back to the dugout and kind of some of the, the, I guess, the swagger that certain players like to play with and when anything like this happens, and it's, it's always like these unwritten rules of baseball about, you know, guy hits a grand slam when the team's up 10 nothing, he swings a 3-0 pitch or like weird stuff like that. There's always like backlash against stuff like that. And then there's like backlash to the backlash. And the reason why I find that topic to be so annoying is because I think people have a tendency to overcomplicate something that it's base level is actually pretty simple. That when it comes to like some of the brash way in which certain players play the game, stomping on home plate after they score a run, you see that in college baseball all the time, or flipping a bat in the major leagues, or staring down, or you know taking a long time to trot around the bases, things like that. Here's the simple truth about those kinds of things when it comes to baseball, for those of you who care about that sport at all. You like it when it's your guy that's doing that, and you hate it when it's somebody else. That's just the simple truth. and It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. If Ronald Acuna Jr. is on your team and he's doing those kinds of things, boy, you love the passion with the way that he plays the game. If Fernando Tatis Jr. is doing that against your favorite team, you feel like he's showing you up and he's you know being too cocky, too arrogant, or whatever else. That is just sort of human nature. You like your guy to have a lot of passion and energy and maybe even a little swagger. It makes you feel uh, good. It's certainly entertaining, and it kind of irritates you when somebody else and sometimes sports is just not any more complicated than that now here's my reason for bringing all that up is because i think we're about to see some version of that for georgia this upcoming season and as it plays out i think it's going to be pretty fascinating because this is not really the kind of thing at least to my memory maybe y'all can remind me but this is not the kind of thing that we've seen around georgia very much now all of that is to say this I'm about to make way too much of an Instagram post. Let me go ahead and warn you at the very outset here that I'm going to read a lot into a relatively small and, you know, uh, you know, short Instagram post, but I find it to be pretty fascinating. It comes from Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. If you're watching on video, I'll show it on the screen. And if you are a radio or podcast listener, I will do the best that I can to describe this to you. Can we see JT Daniels here from Instagram? And just for a second, I hate to do this to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, but can we take this off just so people can see this? this so daniels is flexing and he has the kind of smile on his face that i'm not even quite so sure i'm capable of conjuring a smile that looks like that there's the 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 confidence that it takes to have that kind of half smile that's almost not a smile like you have to really know how to pull that off and the caption that daniels provides is showtime which is essentially, uh, obviously, a look ahead of the upcoming season. Daniel's feeling pretty good about himself. Now, you can put our friends at Meriwether and Tharp back on the screen. I don't mean to take away their opportunity to uh, to to be on display here. The, the point is, Daniel's kind of gives the flex, and it gives you the showtime caption for all of this. Now, here's the thing that I thought about. I don't believe that I've ever seen anyone 
in a non-ironic way, give you the muscular pose that Daniels gives in Instagram. And by the way, he's in great physical condition, so you certainly feel great about that. I don't know that we've seen anyone, in my lifetime anyway, kind of give you in a non-ironic fashion that sort of muscular pose that wasn't a heel wrestler. And I mean this completely serious. That The kind of look that Daniels has on his face, the kind of way in which he flexes uh, for the camera there, it sort of reminds me of something like the late, great Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff would have done back in the 80s when he was feuding with Hulk Hogan. There's a certain degree of he's just finished cutting a heel promo and telling people why their hometown's not any good. And all of a sudden now as the music's playing, he gives you the flex on the way out the door there. And to tie this back to what I said a moment ago, this is one of those things that Georgia fans are going to love all season long. Assuming Daniel stays healthy and assuming that Daniel's you know, does everything this year that certainly seems not even like the highest in projection for JT this season, just the more reasonable in line with, you know, common expectations uh, performance from Daniels this season, Georgia fans are going to eat all of this up because JT does seem to have a genuine level of swagger that you know, some people just don't quite have it in their DNA to 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 do that. You know, the way in which he rocks the turtleneck with the chain. Like, that's not an easy thing for everybody to pull off, but Daniel's comfortable enough in his own skin that he's able to do that. Comfortable enough in his own skin that he's able to give you the muscular pose on uh, Instagram with the tease towards showtime on the field this upcoming season. And I said before, Georgia fans are going to love this because a lot of the best Georgia players in recent years have really been pretty mild-mannered, right? I mean, guys like Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, Roquan Smith, great players in the 2017 team. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but seeing them flex on Instagram, even though they obviously all, all had the physiques that, that would have you know given them the right to do that, doesn't really seem like they did that kind of thing a lot. You know, previous Georgia quarterbacks also a little more quiet, a little more reserved. That, that Some of Georgia's best players recently have actually been guys who are fairly mild-mannered. JT Daniels, now, when it comes to like giving interviews, things like that, he always has a team-first attitude. And he's actually pretty good at running the parallel track, self-confidence, while also deferring to the team concept. So he gets that part of it right. But that's not the part we're talking about right now. We're talking about the other part of it. That Daniels just feels really comfortable kind of feeling pretty good about himself and giving you a little bit of a smirky smile that, you know, that, that, you know, uh, kind of seems to tell its own story, gives you the flex there a little bit, the way that maybe in the past, not every Georgia player would do. And as I said before, while Georgia fans themselves are going to love this y'all, and you already know this before I say it, but I'm about to say it anyway, opposing fans are going to hate JT Daniels. They are going to hate him. I don't even think they know yet you know, Auburn, Florida, you know, uh, Daniels didn't play against those teams last year, right? You know, Daniels played most of his games in, you know, relatively obscure conditions late in the season against Mississippi State, late in the season against South Carolina, late in the year in December against Missouri, bowl game, you know, against Cincinnati that, you know, got pretty good TV ratings. But once again, you know, maybe not the kind of thing that all the Georgia rival fan bases were kind of, kind of, you know, really leaned into. I mean, SEC fans know who Daniels is, that's certainly true, but I don't think SEC fans necessarily know what Daniels is like, and when JT's doing the kinds of things in the football field that he's also doing on Instagram right there, you better believe that opposing SEC fans are going to hate him. He's going to be the major league player that hits a home run and flips the bat. He's going to be the major league pitcher that strikes you out and stares at you on the way back to the dugout, and when it's somebody else on a different team that's doing that, in sports, we're just human beings. We don't like that kind of thing. If some other quarterback this year behaves that way towards Georgia, you better believe we won't like 
like that. But when JT Daniels does it, boy, there's a swagger about that that you just love the passion with which he plays the game. That's just the way that human beings are, and there's really very little we can do to, to be different than that. That's just kind of a normal reaction. And I think that Georgia fans are actually going to kind of eat up the idea that Daniels is out there cultivating some of that attention. Sometimes it's just kind of fun to wear the black hat, right? I mean, go back to professional wrestling for a moment. It's good to cheer the good guys, but every now and then it's kind of nice to cheer the bad guys too. Frankly, sometimes when I'm watching Star Wars, I sort of cheer for Darth Vader. I mean, just sometimes it's just kind of cool to cheer for the bad guy uh, a, a little bit. And Daniels, I think, is very comfortable being the bad guy in the eyes of some of the teams that uh, George is going to be playing against this season. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a bad thing. And here's the other thing, too. And as I said before, I've given you the warning already that I'm making way too much of an Instagram post. I fully acknowledge that going into this. But here's the other thing that must be considered. That the self-confidence that Daniels puts on display, I think, also serves a purpose. Now, I want to let you hear here for a brief moment Kirby Smart from SEC Media Days back in July. And I think that kind of at least demonstrates partially the, the, the ways in which and the why of which that someone like Daniels being self-confident might actually help him just a bit. Let me let you hear Kirby, and then I'll set us up for where we want to go next. This is the UGA coach. I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I think his growth has been more physical than mental, although you're always growing as a quarterback mentally because you get experiences. He's a guy that's played a lot of football between high school, USC, and our place, but he's gotten his knee in better shape. He's gotten uh, more mobile and can move a little bit, and I think he's got a lot more confidence, and he's got a better relationship with the players around him. So listen to that from Kirby Smart there, especially the part about the physical rehab of the knee. And put that in connection for a moment to what uh, Daniels himself talked about recently in the interview with Marty and McGee on the SEC Network about how while he was recovering from that knee injury, that he was actually, I don't think he used the word depressed, but I can't think of a different word to use. I don't want to you know use a clinical term wrong, but he was just kind of down in the dumps about the fact that he was you know, having to go through all of this and he wasn't able to be out there and doing the things from a football standpoint he wanted to be able to do and you know, along the way to, to, to getting better, along the way to feeling good about yourself again. I mean, what do you tell young athletes all the time? For those of you who are youth coaches, things like that, you just tell them, hey, go out there and have fun, right? I mean, I, I coach, like, you know, youth sports all the time. And I'm constantly telling the, the young kids of, you know, when they're trying too hard or getting too nervous or anything like that, hey, just go out there and have fun. Go out there and have fun. I don't know that the advice is necessarily all that different for a guy like JT Daniels at a much higher level of the game, the biggest level of college football it provides. I think there's something to be said there as well of the cure for what ails you sometimes is just going out there and having fun, being yourself, being your authentic personality. That means having your own personal style with the way that he dresses. That means your own personal style in terms of the way that you kind of smile at the camera as if you know something the rest of us don't know. That, to me, is Daniels having fun. And Georgia fans are going to love it. Opposing fans are going to hate it, but that kind of demeanor from the quarterback here ahead of the start of the upcoming season could be a little bit of a precursor there as well. And it's hard not to think about this. A little bit of a precursor to a quarterback who does feel fully comfortable in his own health, in his own skin, in this Georgia offense, and that combination could equal some big things in the field later on this fall. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Uh, live on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and of course, all of it brought to you by our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. So happy to have them with us there, too. 
for those of you that are checking us out, by the way, on the pages of DogNation.com, right at the top of the page at DogNation.com, we've also got a fun announcement coming up for you very, very soon about a really cool thing that we're going to do on that video platform. This is actually one of the, the cool things that we've done in a while, so I'm looking forward to being able to tell you more about that as time moves on. Of course, radio and podcast, always fun to be able to deliver on those platforms there as well. We just really appreciate you being here. More than 1,500 shows now for us. and We've got big plans for several thousand more in the years to come. So thank you so much for being a part of it. And we would not be able to do it if not for our friends like those at Meriwether and Tharp. Your source for Georgia Divorce, Bob Tharp, one of the partners there, his wife Ashley, big-time dog fans. They love UGA. They love the Georgia football conversation. They're excited about the upcoming season. In fact, they're going to be with us for Dog Nation Invasion there as well. But they also know that during the week, we've got to take care of serious business too. And the business that they do is certainly serious because they help folks going through the divorce process. That's the kind of thing that you got to really think about, right? Because if you find yourself on the doorstep of doing this, the thing that you should probably know is the person on the other side of that relationship that's now severed, they probably have a plan, right? So it's important that you have your own plan. It's important that you have a plan that's designed for you personally by expert lawyers who've been through cases like this thousands of times before. Even if your situation is specific to your own circumstances, which it obviously is, the institutional knowledge that my friends at Meriwether and Tharp have gained can still be put to the task for you and put to work for you of helping you make the next season of your life better, more enjoyable. That's what Meriwether and Tharp can do for you. They'll give you a free initial consultation that'll help walk you through all of this. And then when you make the decision to hire them to go to work for you, they are going to restore your finances, relationship with children, all the things that really matter in a situation like this. Meriwether and Tharp understands it all, and they're here to be there for you through it all. It's theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Make sure you check out my friends at Meriwether and Tharp. All right, coming up in just a little bit of time, it will be our buddy Terrence Edwards. A lot to talk to with uh, Terrence Edwards about here today as the dogs in the practice field getting ready for the upcoming season, the idea of potential breakout players in the Georgia roster that continues to be a hot topic. Terrence, I'm sure we'll have some uh, intense thoughts on all of that. We will do that with him coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today. It's presented by our friends at Serve Pro, and I want to look at the other side of the ball just for a moment. We did offense and JT Daniels a moment ago. I want to look at the Georgia defense here for a moment, too, because I'm continuing to unpack some of the things that Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning said during a very revealing press conference the other day. And I like the way in which Lanning answers certain questions. He was asked by our buddy Mike Griffith about the need to replace Aziz Ojolari. Ojolari, after all, statistically speaking, the most successful edge rusher of the Kirby Smart era. Ojolari had eight and a half sacks uh, a year ago. That's the top single season performance for Georgia when it comes to sacks since 2016. And now in his absence, there are legitimate questions about who steps up. Who takes the place? Who fills the void created by Ojolari, who had so much success a year ago? And Lanning, to his credit, is willing to talk about all that. And he's willing to mention the names that Georgia fans want to hear and discuss the ways in which that this could be a a big season for those guys, much the same way it was for Ojolari a year ago. I think you're going to really like this. This is Dan Lanning talking about how Georgia can maintain the pass-rushing momentum that Ojolari helped it establish a year ago. Here's the Georgia D.C. Obviously, Aziz provided a lot of consistency for us in a pass pro standpoint, you know, but, you know, his success also limited maybe some other guys' opportunity on the field. So I know we know, you know, obviously Adam Anderson's skill set and his ability to rush the passer. I think it's going to create some 
opportunities for guys like Nolan Smith, Robert Beal that have been sharing some of those reps in the past. And then Trayvon Walker, I expect, you know, really big things to show up with him and, and excited about some of the young guys that, that kind of come into the fold. And I think we will continue to adapt defensively about where we create pressure, where we create those one-on-ones. Maybe that means there's going to be some more one-on-ones inside rather than, you know, out on the edge. But I feel confident we've got the guys that can replace some of that production for Aziz and also excited to see what Aziz does at the next level for the Giants. Boy, it just sort of feels like you'd spend 20 minutes talking about what Dan Lanning says in that clip alone. First of all, he mentions Robert Peel. That's also a guy that, if you remember, when we had Ojolari on the show back in April, he mentioned Robert Beal there as well as someone that he thought could also be a part of that big pass rush formula for UGA this year. Obviously, it's Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith, who Georgia fans are really looking forward to hearing as much from as they possibly can this season. And I think it's nice that Lanning says, at least he alludes to the idea of, hey, maybe those guys, had they been in the role that Aziz was in last year, maybe they could have had some of that statistical success because of you know the kind of raw talent they bring to the table maybe they could have already done that but last year Aziz was just doing what he did and therefore you know he didn't use this word but I'll use it for lack of a better way of saying it they were just kind of blocked that when a guy like Aziz is doing what he's doing that creates less opportunities for other players also interesting to hear Lanning mention Trayvon Walker in that discussion that echoes something that Kirby Smart said in the early stages of spring practice that that uh, Trayvon as a defensive end who kind of also kind of occupies a little bit of an edge rusher role for Georgia that he's going to be a part of this pass rush landing alluding to some of that pass rush sometimes coming from up the middle in the interior which makes you think as it's been discussed in other places that maybe Jordan Davis is a three down player for Georgia this year as he tries to really solidify a first round pick type resume in his final year at college all of it I think is really fascinating I think it also all builds to the notion that for the Georgia pass rush to be as good as it can be this year, I don't think that requires any one guy getting some gigantic sack total. Uh, certainly not 15 sacks, something along those lines, and maybe not much more than double digits. It'd be nice to see a couple guys knock on the door of getting 10, but what it's really about for me for the team is finding a way to get a team total that kind of moves in the direction of being somewhere near 40. If, if you kind of averaged out Georgia a year ago for a full season they could have gotten to that total and I think getting to a total like that here for the upcoming year is pretty important there too and obviously the huge level of talent that Lanning describes there is one of the big reasons why that might be able to happen really good stuff from the Georgia defensive coordinator if you want to hear the entire press conference or uh, Todd Munkin who's coming up today you can go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and watch all those press conferences right there. That is really good stuff all the way around. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro. And listen, we've all, at least those of us who are homeowners, have had some sort of experience with this where you see some damage to your home, right? Commonly caused by water intrusion or fire, things like that. And when you see that picture... There's so you know nervousness about that, that that you wonder, well, what's ever going to happen with my home? And here's the thing I can tell you. When it comes to the restoration specialists at ServPro, they can get your home back like new, literally like the damage never even happened. That's what they're famous for. That's what they're well known for. When water or fire damage strikes, you can call on ServPro to help you immediately, and they will literally restore it for you truly like it never happened. The other good, good thing about ServPro is all the franchises are independently owned and operated. That means you're doing Doing business with folks who are, you know, family, you know, run type business, which is always a really good thing to be able to do. Their cleanup and restoration specialists are ready to do the work for you. If you're dealing with some damage around your home, they can help you take care of all of that. Very easy website to remember there as well. Just simply go to servepro.com. 
That's servepro.com. S-E-R-V is the way you spell it. Servepro.com. Let the restoration specialists of ServPro get your house back to new like it never even happened. All right, it's great to have you here on Dog Nation Daily here today. So much fun stuff on the way. We're going to talk to uh, Terrence Edwards here coming up. After that, some big news around the SEC. And before we're done today, also a look at what one SEC network analyst is saying about a Georgia player who could truly be on his way to a breakout season. This is going to be fun. We'll do that here coming up in a few minutes. But for now, everything happening with UGA, what to expect in the practice field and then the game itself once it kicks off the 2021 season on September 4th against Clemson. Let's talk to our buddy Terrence Edwards right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Well, say hello to Terrence Edwards here. Always great to have him as a part of the program, what we're doing here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And Terrence, as I say good morning to you, I'm reminded of things you've said in the past about JT Daniels as a leader and the value that comes when you're getting that vocal leadership from your quarterback. But a moment ago, we also kind of highlighted some of the confidence that Daniel seems to show and smart himself has said that he does feel like JT is more confident now because he's maybe feeling healthier certainly than he felt this time a year ago but is that the kind of thing that a team can also feed off of when your quarterback is willing to play with a little bit of swagger when when your quarterback is willing to you know just kind of set the tone from an emotional standpoint for a team even beyond just absolute leadership but you know making it okay to have some fun making it okay to to embrace everything that's about to happen for the Georgia Bulldogs how much can a team feed off that energy when the quarterback provides it um the team will definitely feed off that when the quarterback is uh in JT Dane's situation I think you're exactly right he's finally 100% healthy, I believe. I think he feels like the old JT Daniels, and I think once he, he assumes that confidence team around him, it's going to feel that confidence. And once your leader and who is your quarterback shows that swag, I mean, it, it, it's like a cancer. It, it swells, and it, it just generates through the whole team. And when you think about Daniels and the knee injury that he's come back from here, I mean, I think it's probably hard for us who've not been high-level athletes in that spot to probably – process what it means to you know certainly be way healthier than he was year over year but I would say on the basis of kind of what we've heard from other people even healthier than he was at the end of last season when he was actually starting to play some games that that time spent you know not just you know learning how to be a player in the Georgia system but also just get a little bit more comfortable a little bit more mobility you know those are things for Daniels that will probably matter this season not to say he's gonna be running around like Lamar Jackson but just the idea that you know he does trust his mobility just a little bit more I mean to me Terrence it seems like that can only help oh most definitely once you trust your body um then you could go out there and play free you could go out there and play uh, with the mindset that I could go out here and do things that I probably didn't think I could do um, last season. They just run around a little bit. And uh, not a, let alone his, his physical condition, I think his mental condition is much better where he understands the the offense better, what Todd Monken is trying to achieve. Um, so he could go out there and be that coach on the field. I, I, I tell guys all the time, you know, uh, if you if you the quarterback and offense coordinator is lockstep in arms, that's when the offense can explode. And I, and I just feel like now with a healthy uh, JT Danes and understand what Monken is trying to do. Um, now his physical and his mental is at a one hundred percent. He could go out and just play carefree. So Georgia has started practices and. 
you know, you see some of these videos that kind of creep out from time to time that Georgia shares. And at the end of one the other day, there was a tiny glimpse of Eric Gilbert uh, looking to go through a drill. And a lot of Georgia fans are just dying to kind of hear how that's going for him, what the practice has been like. Uh, you know, people want to hear rumors. They want to hear reports. They, 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 want, they want to hear some of this kind of stuff, especially for an anticipated player like that. Some Georgia fans feel like it's been a little quiet in relationship to uh, Gilbert's early days of Georgia practices thus far. Have you spoken to Gilbert recently? How is he getting acquainted to practice life there at UGA? And how are things going right now? Anything you can tell us on that front? I haven't had a chance to speak with him. Just now, just let him sell it in and I'll get a chance to talk to him later on. But now I'm just allowing him to be who he is, go out there and uh, be the player that we know he could be. I can tell you this, uh, I spoke with a a guy uh, yesterday, and uh, the the, the word around is he he is as good as he's advertised. Wow. So uh, I haven't spoke to him, but this is someone I was talking to me about him, and they know he's good as advertised. Is that that Boy, that's certainly great to hear. One of the things we heard uh, Kirby say the other day was kind of getting acquainted with maybe some new terminology, things like that, as you move into a new uh, offense. What is that like for a wide receiver? Um, you know, for those of us who not only don't have the physical skills to go out and play this position, but also haven't had to learn playbook and and you know the things that wide receivers are asked to do, what kind of, uh, I guess, learning curve is there, not just for Gilbert, but for a freshman coming into this program or really anyone who steps on this field for the first time, you know, how much is there to learn for, for a, a pass catcher out there in an offense like Georgia and how quickly are they certainly expected to kind of absorb all of that? Well, there, there's definitely a learning curve coming from, um, in Eric's case, coming from being a true tight end now to being a true wide receiver. Verbiage is different. Uh, there's a lot of checks. There's a lot of route adjustments that you have to learn. There's hand signals to learn. So uh, just give you an example, uh, a dig route uh, in man-in-zone is different. You yeah. can't run a man-dig in the zone coverage uh, and vice versa. So you got to go out and understand coverages from the wide receiver spot in Eric's case. And then you just got to get on, on page with your quarterback. Uh, he has to get on page with the way Kirby coaches and, and runs practice instead of, you know, Coach Ogeron at LSU and the way they run practice. So there's a lot of adjustments from these young men, and he's still a young man, and we I think we forget that uh, he's talented but still a young man trying to figure things out. Uh, but I have no doubt that he will, uh, and I think he will help us win games this year, especially seeing uh, making a few plays against Clemson. So his talent, his talent is undeniable. Now he just has to figure out everything else that goes along with it. Cole Kublik from the SEC Network recently tabbed Georgia running back Kendall Milton as one of his, I guess, top breakout player in the SEC for the upcoming season. You know, Terrence, you watch this league closely, and you obviously watch the Georgia players closely there as well. If I were to ask you, you know, regardless of position, who are some names in this Georgia roster right now that you could see being big breakout performers? Who do you have your eye on right now? Uh, who Kendall is one of them. Uh, I got opportunity when I got opportunity to go watch. Of the Georgia practice, I think he's probably the best back that we have right now with the size, the speed, the vision. Um, he he isn't as fast as James Cook, uh, but he is he is a big kid with great vision and runs with power. So he's definitely going to be one that uh, I think would break out. And I'm gonna go probably the uh, untraditional route here. I'm gonna go with an offensive line lineman. I'm looking for a guy that I know very well, J- 
Jamari to hopefully go back to his probably his natural position as left guard and got one of the young guys to step up at left tackle and maybe that's Sims. So uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a young left tackle, whoever that is, to allow Jamari to go back to guard, probably his more natural position. Boy, that's great answers on both fronts right there. Georgia obviously starts the year the coaches poll fifth in the coaches poll on that list of you know teams that have the closest best chance of winning the national championship right now if you're a Georgia player or just an observer of Georgia what do you feel about Georgia in comparison to teams like Ohio State and Oklahoma Clemson Alabama those right ahead of it you know big matchup between number two and number five to begin the season what did you think of Georgia coming in at number five in that coach's bowl to kick things off here Uh, you know I I think as a player standpoint that uh, is all uh, we, in my opinion, we right where we need to be. I think that's that's a good spot. Uh, you know, we got Clemson. A lot of it don't matter. We don't have preseason games to really see what teams are made of. I think we're going off in these polls of who's coming back, uh, how many starters we got come back. And I think Alabama, rightfully so, should be number one. But they're ranked off reputation. Uh, rep- reputation. We sure. have a quarterback that's uh, breaking in a new quarterback. Yes, you know, I think Nick. It's the it's the goat in college football, uh, but you never know what these teams are gonna look like because you don't have preseason games to play, so we we don't get a look at them. So uh, we, we we write what we need to be and just continue to stay uh, afloat, take one game at a time, and we I think we would be fine. Terrence, always such great stuff. We appreciate your insight here on the program, and I love the work that you're doing. You mentioned the Pace Academy program, but also as an individual coach there as well, getting folks ready for the next level. you got guys signing scholarships all the time or making their commitments all the time, and I love to see that. How can folks uh, get in touch with you if they want to learn what you're teaching? How can they do that? Uh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Elwes Wide Receiver Academy. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today. Look forward to seeing you soon. Also back in our Dog Nation postgame show again later on this fall. That's going to be a lot of fun. Terrence, great stuff. Thanks for being here. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think what Terrence says about Georgia there is actually pretty interesting. We talked about this in SEC Country Live a little bit yesterday. Our friends at BetUS, if you look at their odds to win the national championship, no surprise Alabama is plus 250, which is essentially 2.5 to 1. Clemson next on that list at plus 350. But if you look at the teams that are rated ahead of Georgia in the top five, Ohio State and Clemson, I'm sorry, Ohio State and Oklahoma, the other two teams that are rated ahead of Georgia, Georgia actually has shorter odds to win the national championship than either Oklahoma or Ohio State do. Uh, Georgia's at 5-1 to one to win the uh, national championship, plus 500, according to BetUS. And if I was thinking about my own national championship bet, I mean, I'm not going to outright pick Georgia to win the title uh, this year. I don't believe I'm going to pick anybody to outright win the national championship. But if I was making a bet, I mean, I think I would probably – put a bet down on Georgia I'm certainly not going to take Alabama two and a half to one right I'm just too contrarian to do that the the odds on favor to, to win the national championship is typically not going to be my pick I'm also going to, not going to make a pick on Oklahoma either even though I do think the Sooners were playing a pretty good brand of football by the end of last year the truth is it's like we've seen that version of Oklahoma in the playoff now three times against SEC teams they've lost all three I just can't take them seriously as a national championship contender so what does that leave me with it leaves me with Georgia, it leaves me with Ohio State, it leaves me with Clemson. 
you know, in the case of Ohio State and Clemson, two teams that are breaking in full season starters for the first time. I guess from that standpoint, Georgia's also breaking in a full season starter for the first time in JT Daniels too. And so if you, just on the sake of, for the sake of conversation, are saying, hey, no Bama because, you know, just too small of odds, number one you know, seed-type team, ignore them, ignore Oklahoma because of what we've seen them do in the playoff in the past, start making that comparison between the other teams there at the top, the Clemsons, the Ohio States. I mean, why not Georgia? I mean, I guess that's kind of what it comes down to. No obvious reason why it will be, but certainly no obvious reason why it can't be. we got more SEC through stuff coming up here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you about my friends at Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers certainly get it when it comes to Marco's. The great, authentic taste that Marco's Pizza provides. Really great, you know, crispy golden crust. The melty cheese is there on top. And one of the things, and come Thursday, I'm kind of always thinking about the weekend, the weekend that's on its way. One of the things I also love there as well is the great savings you get with Marco's Pizza right now. Uh, you can, you know, swing by and pick it up, uh, or you can have it delivered right there to your door. How about this great savings? A bundle that includes a large one-topping pizza, a pizza bowl, and cheesy bread. It's all just $21.99 right now. That's just $21.99. You get all of that. You can go to the Marco's app or marcos.com to find out a lot more details on that. Pizza lovers get it. Of course, participation may vary. You can find additional restrictions that apply. See sort for details on that, but marcos.com or the Marco's app to find a lot more about that. All right, SEC through. Let's bounce through a few stories here for a moment. Bad news for Auburn. Another story we covered for you in SEC Country Live yesterday. Two-year starter along the defensive line right there at the nose position, Tyrone Truesdale, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, this being reported on Twitter here this week. I'll show you this, the, the tweet from the uh, Rivals account that says that he's a 2017 three-star uh, as a grad transfer, 67 tackles, three sacks over the course of his career there at Auburn, and a start of the last two seasons. This is a big guy, 6'2", 299 pounds, occupying the middle of that Auburn defensive line. There's no scandal here. He's not in trouble, at least not that anyone understands. In fact, he's been universally praised as a pretty good guy. He's also a recent Auburn graduate. Hard to imagine how this is good for Auburn not to have a guy like this who has been a multi-year starter, now not a part of Derek Mason's defense in his first year as Auburn defensive coordinator, his first year for Brian Harson there as head coach. This would seem to be a pretty big loss. One of the things that comes up, and our buddy Mark Morris asked about this in our YouTube comment section yesterday, well, we we're kind of past the transfer deadline to notify a team and be eligible to play somewhere else right away. And so it certainly seems like if Truesdale's going to play immediately, listen, I'm not a stickler for the rules. I get the rules wrong frequently, but I think I'm right about this, that if he's going to play this year, he's going to have to drop down to like the FCS level or something like that to be eligible. But it's probably less of a story of what's next for Truesdale as opposed to what's next for Auburn. Uh, needing to to replace a starter along the defensive line, not the kind of conversation you're going to be having this late into the uh, process. Another first-year coach, uh, Josh Heupel, trying to think get things going there at Tennessee. Interesting stuff recently from uh, Kirk Curbstreet talking about the concern that he would have if Tennessee gets off to a slow start, basically saying you got to beat Bowling Green week one. And as we said yesterday, if you're forced to say, boy, Tennessee is in a must-win situation against Bowling Green, that gives you an idea of just how dire the scenario might be for Vols fans here this upcoming season. They've also got Pitt Week 2, winnable game, but not certainly not a guaranteed win. And then, obviously, some you know challenges after that. Once you get into that SEC slate for uh, Tennessee, they got a crossover game against Ole Miss. Ole Miss was ranked in the Coaches Bowl. I think most of the SEC East games, I don't think you could really circle really any of those for Tennessee as an obvious win. Maybe the Vanderbilt game at the, at the, at the end of the season, but... 
I would say no other game in the East for Tennessee right now is one that I'd even favor them to win. I think that Tennessee is one of the three worst teams in the SEC. There is apparently, though, a little bit of movement potentially on the Vols roster here for a moment. Brian Maurer, one of the Tennessee quarterbacks, put on Instagram. That post has since been edited, but his caption was that the Vols apparently, or somebody, he says they, took my dream after four days. That's okay, because I'm a soldier, he says on Instagram. Hashtag 18 out. That was the Tennessee quarterback, and uh, you know he's was not spotted at a recent Tennessee practice. I think some people have taken this to mean that Maybe Brian Maurer is now about to leave the Tennessee program. This guy who's played some for the Vols. And I guess here's my thing. You can't have four guys in a quarterback competition, right? You know, you got Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, the two recent transfers from Virginia Tech and Michigan. Harrison Bailey, the former four-star quarterback from Marietta. You know, Bailey may be the guy that if Tennessee was really smart, they'd actually lean on here because that's a guy who they recruited out of high school. And that's the kind of guy that you could build your program around, I would say. If if Heupel was smart, I think he might pick Bailey as a starting quarterback and say thanks but no thanks to the two recent transfers. But one way or another, that trio would seem to be the guys who are the most I guess ready to compete in all of this uh you can't have four guys you can't split the snaps up that way so I hate it for Maurer if this is the way that his time in Knoxville is going to end if that's indeed the case but at a certain point you just only have so many practice snaps to divvy up to truly find out who your best guys are uh Matt Stinchcomb the former George great offensive lineman the brother of our good friend John Stinchcomb was on SEC Now this week on the SEC Network, and he tabbed his top receivers in the SEC. I thought this was interesting because of the fact that a couple of the names at the top are not really the more well-known names maybe in this league. He's got Traylon Burks from Arkansas at the top of the list, and Nia Smith from Texas A&M at number two. Then you get to John Mechie the third from Alabama and Keishon Butte from LSU coming up after that. I mean, I think it's interesting to have someone other than Mechie at the top, just given the fact that the Alabama receivers in recent years have been so good, and there's been so much buzz about Mechie being the next in that line. But uh, credit to Matt here a little bit for willing to kind of go off the page a bit with Burks and Smith, and obviously in the case of Texas A&M, who I think has a lot going for it. The one question I have had is, how dynamic can the Aggies be in the passing game? Well, if you've got a guy like Smith who's ready to play as well as Matt Stinchcomb says he's going to play, that could be a big boost there in College Station for that. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, speaking of SEC network analysts rating things, it was interesting to see on Twitter the other day, Cole Kublik from the SEC network list his top potential breakout performers for the league here this year. And certainly very interesting to see at the very top of that list, Georgia running back Kendall Milton. He's got Milton ahead of Mookie Cooper, the Missouri wide receiver, Cole Taylor, the LSU tight end, and then a couple of other wide receivers, E.J. Jenkins from South Carolina and Javarius Johnson there from Auburn. Interesting to hear Terrence Edwards a moment ago say that he felt like, based on the practice that he got a chance to witness back in the spring, that Milton really was the most talented runner on this Georgia roster. A lot of Georgia fans seemingly think the same thing. And listen, I'm still a big fan of Zamir White. I'm kind of a contrarian on this in which the more and more people go towards the running backs we've seen less of, the more I kind of lean on. I kind of think that Zamir may still be in line for a pretty good senior year. Admittedly, though, that's kind of the minority opinion amongst a lot of Georgia fans right now. One way or another, though, whether it's big year from the upperclassmen like Cook and White or a breakout year for a guy like Kendall Milton, the Georgia offense all the way around just needs more explosive runs than it had in 2020 and really to a degree in 2019 there as well. Kirby Smart actually talked about that a little earlier this week. This is what the Georgia coach said about that at the time. I don't think our 
quarterbacks or any less talented last year or this year in terms of being able to have explosive runs. Uh, we haven't had as many, and you have to say, okay, well, why is that? And a lot of it has to do with the way people are playing us. Um, how can we make them pay for playing us with extra people? And then how can we block their extra people at the second level? We've had probably just as many seven, eight, nine yard yard runs, but we haven't had the explosive we've had in the past. Most people would point to sheer speed of the backs, but that that's that's not the case with our, our guys are you know just as fast now as they were when we had uh, the other guys. We haven't been as explosive, and a lot of that is breaking tackles on the second level and being able to block downfield. You know, get the second hit. When Smart was talking about that uh, this week, he also went into more detail about you know how you get those blocks in the second level talking about previous Georgia receivers who've been good at that and also talking about the way in which RPOs now the run pass option where the quarterback has a chance to hand the football off or throw the ball down the field that receivers in kind of an RPO situation aren't quite as set up as well to block as they used to be before think about how good J.J. Holloman used to be at some of those downfield blocks saying that some of the explosive run stuff for Georgia requires you know better downfield blocking it's kind of interesting from smart i mean i think i think if the trade-off is less explosive runs for more potential for explosive pass plays that's probably a pretty good trade-off all the way around but either way one way or another seeing this georgia running game show some of that explosiveness the way it was kind of the hallmark for this program in 2017 2018 obviously that'd be a good step forward for the team here this year very quick golden shoe winner today uh daniel jones shows me this from uh, oconee middle school the golden shoe they give out to their track team that's actually really pretty cool i'm glad to see uh, that's so closely resembling our uh, golden shoe here daniel thanks for sharing that will make you a golden shoe winner for today and our gator hater countdown how about 79 days from right now dogs get a win against those lousy stinking gators can't wait for that we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp and on the podcast i'm now for the rs andrews podcast cool down and the good thing about today's is it was actually recorded today and posted today Everything went exactly as planned after not exactly the smoothest week, all that kind of stuff. So always great to be able to do. I've got some really good tweets I want to read today. today. Folks, hit me up at Dog Nation Daily on Twitter. Of course, you can also post in the comment section at dognation.com. We love hearing from you there as well. So yesterday, or really a couple times this week, kind of made the case that you know Warren Erickson was treated as the true starting center on this team, and therefore I think that fans should acknowledge that if he's somehow unhealthy, we don't really quite know yet the extent of his injury, but if he's unhealthy, that based on the way that he was treated during the spring, that's that's a loss for Georgia for the, ex- the extended period of time, whatever the, the period of time is that Erickson's down, that's a loss for UGA, essentially saying that his status as a starter proves that. I got an interesting response to that point by a, a guy named At Fit and Trim on uh, on on Twitter. Now I don't know that I hundred percent agree with uh, Trim on this, but I do think it's um it's a very interesting comment. He says, "Trust the starters who win position battles in fall camp, maybe." But last year's opening game saw Owen Condon starting instead of Warren McClendon, and Mathis starting setting, starting starting instead of Stetson Bennett. This happens every year. In 2016, it was Jawan Briscoe starting in front of DeAndre Baker. Yikes. It's an interesting point, right? I mean, it's at least worth acknowledging that sometimes the early decision on who's going to start where does not end up, you know, working out all that well. I will at least acknowledge that from Fit and Trim. That's actually a pretty interesting point on that. I don't think that's necessarily the case with Erickson, but sometimes we have seen the wrong guy maybe tabbed, or at least our understanding of the situation grows to assume that the wrong guy was initially tabbed. That's at least a worthy part of that discussion. 
I have talked on the show a little bit the last couple of days about not really seeing a lot of high-profile you know, college football media types with big followings who picked George win the national championship. Blake Seeger says that Peter Burns has actually picked George win the national championship. He's the only one that I know of. I, I didn't know that. Peter Burns is a guy that I like in the SEC network. Um, I didn't realize that Peter had picked George to win the national championship, but Blake, a good addition to that discussion, will be able to say that. Uh, Mike Smith also writes in to say, this is Mike Q. Smith on Twitter, listening to today's show, and it got me thinking, does UG have a legit shot at Clemson week one, apples to apples? If we drop that game, do we have a, le- a legit shot at the college football playoff? So I would say legit shot remains in place if Georgia loses, and I think that definitely Georgia's got a legit shot to win the game. But one of the things I've mentioned is I think that some people have underrated the importance of winning week one for really both teams. There's this assumption that I've even heard some people say, hey, if you're a gambler, why not place a bet on the loser of Georgia Clemson to bounce back from that, run the table, win the national championship? I kind of understand where that's coming from. The odds upon losing this game will probably be better than they ever will be at any point during the season. But I do think that line of thought underrates the fact that for Clemson, Georgia right now is the only ranked opponent on their 2021 regular season schedule. Doesn't mean that couldn't change at some point. Doesn't mean they couldn't end up being matched up against a good North Carolina team in the ACC title game. But as it stands right now, Georgia's the only ranked opponent Clemson plays. You know, this notion of losing that game and then running the table and winning the college and then being included in the college football playoff. I mean, maybe that happens. But that's not the kind of thing that we've seen Clemson really do before, right? I mean, when Clemson's you know played Auburn or Texas A and M, you know, those are games they've won that gave them just enough validation to you know keep that playoff streak alive. Boy, there'd be questions about Clemson though if they play one ranked opponent during the regular season. If they lose that game in a year in which you could have multiple Big Ten teams in the conversation, multiple SEC teams in the conversation, at least one uh, Big Twelve team in the conversation. Who knows what's going to happen with the Pac twelve? But, boy, it's not necessarily quite so easy to say, oh, yeah, Clemson's going to be fine. They'll easily be in the college football playoff, even if they lose to Georgia. I don't think they could guarantee that. And in Georgia's case, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, years like 2018, where Georgia, I thought, had a pretty strong argument to be one of the four best teams in the country. But at the time, there was just a little bit of a distaste for putting a losing team from a conference championship game into the college football playoff. That's changed somewhat now. Notre Dame made the – playoff last year after losing the ACC championship game but for Georgia to think that it could be Clemson week one run the table in the regular season after that prior to the SEC championship not to say that Georgia fans would concede the SEC championship certainly I wouldn't but to think that you could build a playoff resume even before you play first Saturday in December in Atlanta that's kind of a fun thing there as well I got some really nice comments from guys like Chad Buchanan and uh, Jimmy the Greek and others for the fact that it was our 1500th show this week i certainly appreciate that our buddy fletcher proctor other folks checking in on that uh sugar ray also doing that too really appreciate that barry uh, tenahan says well on our way to 2000 shows now certainly that's our hope and beyond there as well uh so really good stuff all the way around that's very very nice stuff for sure um i always love to be able to hear that and see that that means a ton to me so for all of you being here as part of our podcast, Cool Down Today, we really appreciate your time. We hope you have a great day. Check out RS Andrews online, 
rsandrews.com. Did you know if your, air, if your air conditioning needs to be tuned up, not only can they do that for you, get it back to factory fresh specs for just $99, but also if your water heater goes out, many cases RS Andrews can replace it for you the same day. Just reach out to them, find them online at rsandrews.com. Y'all have a great day. I'll see all of you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will look forward to talking to you then.